You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. You don't need to be a bioengineer to help change the shape of humanity. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Trillions. I'm Joel Weber. And I'm Eric Balchunas. Uh, Eric, one thing that you and I both love this time of year is doing a Halloween-themed episode. We've done, like, ETF graveyards before, but then we started kicking this idea around, and you had maybe the best one yet. Yeah, so um, we we have this phrase we use on the team called the Lazarus List, which is obviously the guy in the Bible who Jesus resurrected. Um, and this is... We argued we could have done this on Easter, <laughs> but but because it does involve uh, ETFs that have been uh, deceased, and then somebody else comes along and says, hey, I think I can make this work. Even though it failed for this issuer, somebody tries it again, and they sort of resurrect the idea, put it back in the market. There's even been cases where it's been tried two or three times, and every now and then, it's like the third time's a charm situation. Yeah, at first, um, if you don't succeed, try again. <laughs> Yeah, and so we just kind of find this a quirky little wing of the ETF world when people look at something that didn't work and have the, I guess, vision or gumption to think, I can make this work. To walk us through this version of the ETF graveyard, we're going to be joined by Bloomberg Intelligence ETF analyst, Athanasios Serafegas. This time on Trillions, the Lazarus list. Athanasios, welcome back to Trillions. Glad to be back. Okay, so you have put together a little bit of a list. These ETFs were ones that died, went to the ETF graveyard, only they weren't dead yet. No, and I think that speaks to where we are in the ETF market, right? There's been There's a good idea out there, so, yeah. and it maybe really was a good idea, but maybe the timing yeah, wasn't it, quite right. Yeah, exactly. And we're back to like recycling ideas, right? A lot of stuff's been tested. That they're like, hey, you know what? This may be closed too soon, or um, you know, we maybe could give it another shot or rebrand it through a different, you know, or, may- or maybe it really wasn't meant to live, right? So <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's be a fair point. Maybe these might close again. Yeah. If you close twice, that's a tough pill to swallow. I think, right? If you try two times. Okay, so uh, what's the first one that you think embodies this idea? Let's start with probably something. Most recently, um, iShares brought back these target date ETFs. Uh, they tried this, I think it was 2014. So basically what this does is like their asset allocation ETFs. They hold a little bit of everything, stocks, bonds. It's made to just be a one-stop shop. Hey, Eric, what's one of the tickers for, for this? So one of them, Joel, is ITDE. This is the iShares LifePath target date 2045 ETF. So the 2045 would be the year that you're supposed to retire. So as a Gen Xer like myself, that would be where I'm aiming for. Hopefully, I will be retired even before then if I'm lucky. But this is designed to uh, be in all equities early on and then slowly shift to some portion of fixed income. I believe right now this one is, uh, I want to say, 85 to 90% equity still, and 40% is international. So look, this is like, you've actually brought this up in occasional episodes. You're like, why isn't there an ETF that just does everything? Well, this is kind of it. 
It uses other iShares ETFs to give you like what would be a complete portfolio that an advisor would set up with you using many puzzle pieces. This one does it in one shot and it moves as you get closer to retirement. So these are very popular in um, 401k plans, but they failed almost all the time in the ETF world because again, advisors are the main customers of ETFs and advisors, to quote George W. Bush, want to be the deciders. They want to pick which funds you go into. They can't have one fund and show the client that you're in one ticker. The tick clients are, why do, why do I need you? And so this is why this idea has failed in the past. But iShares resurrecting it is interesting. and uh, But that's what these ETFs are. There's, I think, six to eight of them for the different retirement years. So they bit the dust. What happened? It's a fair question. I think they were a little ahead of their time. Remember, like 2014, ETFs weren't you know all the rage that they are now. And they've been, they're really trying to go after like clients that don't have 401k plans because um, these are pretty popular options in those kind of um, in structures. So I think the market is a much more mature place, people are more comfortable with ETFs. I, again, to Eric's point, I don't know if they're going to have a ton of success, but I think they might have a better go at it than they did in 2014. Yeah. And we had BlackRock on ETF IQ on a recent show to talk about these. And they were saying that the reason they're doing this isn't to hit advisors or the 401k market, but to go after the 50% of people who do not have exposure to equities. They feel like this is a very easy way to reach them. And they're trying to do a little bit of God's work here, Joel, to try to get those people invested. And I, I would say there, this is not being taken advantage of. Honestly, there's so many things you can invest in if you don't know a lot about investments that are like bad. But this is like these charge 11 basis points and they're in very solid iShares ETFs. They usually pick the cheaper ones. It's It, it makes sense. Honestly, Joel, if, if the government really wanted to cure the wealth gap, they would actually put every person in one of these when they are born and then make them like, you know, pass some financial literacy tests. And then you get, get the account when you're 18 or something like that. Not saying to put them all in BlackRock, but something like this would make a lot of sense as uh, something you get when you're born versus say a social security system. So um, I think these are interesting in that regard in that they are going after the 50% that, that don't have any exposure to the markets. Okay. Athanasios, give me one that surprised you. Um, another pretty recent one, uh, luxury goods. Mm. Um, this has been tried in the past. I think it was Roundhill that just brought it back. And if you look at the performance of luxury goods, it's really, it's done like phenomenal. Yeah. And I think it was- Rich people like to buy yeah. fancy stuff. And it seems pretty- uh, it doesn't get impacted by the economy, right? right? It's like recession-proof everything. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was Louis Vuitton was at one point like hit the highest market cap ever for a European company. Uh, so that one's an interesting idea. It might be too niche, I think, for it to, to get quite a bit of assets, but the performance is really strong. If there's one area outside the U.S., you know, we tend to be very U.S.-focused. This one seems to do pretty well. Um, I don't know if the performance will be enough to get people enticed to invest in it, but I think it's a pretty interesting idea that gets overlooked. Eric, what's the what's the ticker on this one? So there's actually two. Uh, there's LUX and, and LUXX. Uh, so two people have tried to resurrect this. They're both in the market, both not that big. I'll give you some of the holdings, Joel. I mean, these are some of your favorite brands. Uh, Hermes, Ferrari. Hermes, um, Hermes, Eric, Hermes. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm from the other side of the tracks for sure. Um, Estee Lauder, R Royal Caribbean Cruises, Las Vegas Sands. Um, um, so Williams and Sonoma, 
Toll Brothers, that's interesting. That's like a home builders. Wynn Resorts, um, Hennessy, Louis Vuitton. So yeah, I mean, if how you read it, through these names. How does that compare with the other one? Very similar. These have a lot of overlap. The mm -hmm. uh, one difference is LUX, the one with only one X, is more concentrated. So uh, it should have more volatility, which can be good and bad. Um, LUXX has more holdings. And if you look at the um, assets, both are under 10 million, which is you know borderline life support area. So I don't know if they've really been able to resurrect this successfully. These two could end up right back in the same place, if I'm being honest. Okay, we talked about some ones that uh, have had some difficulties. Uh, walk me through the graveyard where there's maybe one that hasn't had such a hard time. This would be one of the darlings of COVID during that time, and it's uh, Jets. Uh, yeah, I remember yeah, this one. Yeah, the airline uh, ETF. It's been tried, like, I think two issuers had a, um, an airline ETF. Direction and Guggenheim, was it? Uh, and now this is U.S. Global Investors brought that back, and uh, it's one of the at one point it was like one of the one of the fastest growing ETFs. You know, it was during COVID when airlines stopped and the trade started coming back, and everyone started piling back into jets. Um, hit a couple billion, I think, at one point. Uh, but uh, that's one that had been resurrected and had done quite well in its second life. Yeah, Joel, uh, there were two airlines ETF FAA, which had. Uh, Twenty million dollars and closed, and then FLYX, which had two million and closed. So, both of those were in like the 2010 to 2015 era, and then Jets launches uh, about seven years ago, and it it does nothing for three or four years. It looks like the luxury ETFs where there's like, oh my god, this is going to go down, and then bam, the the pandemic. Ironically, because again, who's flying during the pandemic? But <laughs> the pandemic really got this thing going. You know, funny story, uh, we had the guy from Jets on ETF IQ, the first iteration of the show, and it was the last show before they, we went dark because of the COVID, and then we had the Jets guy talking, and I remember going over the price to earnings ratio, and I was like, I just ran the numbers, and besides Nigeria, your ETF has the lowest price to earnings ratio. I think it was like four, which is really low. I mean, the S&P is like 20-something, so, um, and he was making the case for it, and we were kind of prescient because right after that, uh, Jets went up and now 1.3 billion, it charges 60 basis points. So they certainly are making a very profitable ETF here, uh, even if it has come down a little bit from that, you know, sort of peak during the pandemic. Found its moment. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it it can't happen, you know. What's the PE today, Eric? It's still only 10. So like, that's how, <laughs> that's how like, if you're at four, you can rally a lot and still have even more to rally. That's how beat up airlines were. Uh, again, that's only half of the S&P, and that's after a lot of rally, although it's come down a little bit. But I'll give you some of the top holdings in this. Um, American Airlines, Southwest Airlines, Delta Airlines, United. I mean, obviously, I'm just going through all the airlines here that everybody knows. But it's even got stuff like um, Alaska Air, uh, Air Canada. So it, it definitely goes a little deeper into some of the like lesser-known airlines. Um, but I would say that almost all of it is pure airline plays. There's some other things in there that are related to the industry, but mostly it's, it's airline holdings. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents, people who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. 
Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Athanasios, you got another one for me? I do. Ironically enough, this is another transportation one. I don't know mm-hmm. why these ones seem to keep Thematic, coming Thematic, though, right? And, yeah. And, like, you know, if you're if you're looking for, like, a sector that you can kind of hit on, like, COVID made this probably an interest, especially interesting one. Uh, yeah. And this one also, I think, kind of stems off of COVID and it's shipping. And this was during, remember, there was, like, a, sh- a supply chain crisis for a while and the yeah. ships were just sitting out in the in the ocean for a little bit. There was one, a shipping ETF in the past. I think it was Guggenheim that closed. Um, this, there's a new one that had come out, uh, Boat. Uh, again, trying to go mm. after the shipping theme. Something that gets overlooked. I think people don't don't give that one much thought. But uh, this one hasn't done anything yet. It's not a jet story, but it's definitely um, a it's one. Back. It's one back. To, one to watch. Yep. Eric, why, why, do you, why do you think this one hasn't taken off, considering we all became so aware of supply chain issues and, and global shipping? Yeah, this is a one of the most fascinating stories because C was around for, I don't know, 10, 12 years, right? And, and, and nothing really happened with it. And they closed up shop. And I remember acutely following this. Right when C closed, shipping went crazy. Mm. And if C was open from the time it closed, it would have gone up like 100% in like six months. So it, it like, literally had the right exposure, right idea. Yes. And it just happened to like shut down a little too early. Like, like literally a month or two too early. Oh. Uh, every now and then we see this. The coal ETF also did that. But um, after the 100% gain, boat launches. So <laughs> between Slight, C and boat. Slightly better ticker, I think. Boat, boat over C. I know. I'm on a boat is what I keep thinking. But uh, certainly the, the diff- when C closed before boat launched, that's when the majority of the gains in these stocks happened. So Sonic Shares, which has the, C- the boat ETF, still has $20 million, but it would be doing better if it had launched ahead of that sort of 100% gain that was missed by both ETFs. So just a kind of unfortunate situation, but it was the 100% gain that I think caught the attention of the Sonic Shares people who thought, man, I you know, this category is up, this sector is up so much. Why isn't there an ETF? Oh, this one closed, let's launch one. Takes uh, 75 days to get the ETF to market, you know, add it up and you missed a big chunk of the rally. Um, and that, that's what happens a lot. A lot of people do not launch ETFs after a, a rough patch. They usually launch them after the good patch when the area gets attention from the media. That's why only on occasion is it something that launches after a really rough, rough 
period, like the uranium miners, which I, I tend to watch for those because a lot of times, at least the ETF's ready for when the moment arrives as opposed to coming a little after the moment. But that seems to be the case with BOAT. Athanasios, we got one more? Uh, probably the most famous one of all. Oh, save the uh, best for last. Yeah. <laughs> Rudolph? Do you, you, you listen to Christmas music already? Not not yet. Too early. There is red involved. The, the Walmart is putting Christmas ads during the World Series last night. I'm like, come on, man. It's not even Halloween. You gotta, you gotta make those uh, make those numbers. <laughs> seems a little early, but this one is uh, XIV, the Credit Suisse uh, inverse VIX yep. one. Um, you know, the Volmageddon, all that. 2018. Yeah, everyone, you know, it was a great trade. It worked for a while. And then right? it suddenly- For like one day, it didn't work. <laughs> one day, it like totally broke, yeah. Uh, but that has, um, you know, after some review, Volatility Shares brought back this product, uh, the ticker's uh, SFIX. Eric, what is different about it this time? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to read this verbatim because um, it is doing the same thing. There had there had been a bunch of products, or some products that like did half of what XIV did, like almost like a diet version this one does go all the way. It does short the uh, short-term futures, but it does um, time-weighted average price to set closing values rather than the 4 p.m. VIX settlement price. Um, I won't go into details, but that is a, a little tiny tweak that should help it from like a Volmageddon situation where uh, XIV had to close. Um, but really, it does the same thing. And to go back to XIV and how spectacular both up and down that was. Listen to these numbers. XIV went up 2,400% since launching through 2018. So that's about seven years it returned 2,400%. And then it went down 90% in like a day and a half. <laughs> so yeah, this was just like, I don't know, some kind of supernova kind of situation where it just exploded, but it made a lot of money for a lot of people. And I think this issuer was like, hey, th this is a product that should exist. Let's make a couple tweaks. Now, keep in mind, they also launched a double leverage one, which is, again, an, like another new TVIX, which also <laughs> went down in a blaze of glory. Um, this one is $86 million, and UVIX has $150 million. So, And this issuer charges uh, a, a high fee for both. So they're both profitable already. So they're going to be around for the foreseeable future. But again, for investors out there, anything related to the VIX is immediately rated R. It's like going to a, a rated R movie, I really would look to see why it's rated R. In our case, this is rolling VIX futures. Um, when it's XIV, it's the equivalent of selling insurance, like hurricane insurance. You get the premium, and that's nice, but when a hurricane hits, you're on the hook. And that's essentially what happened with XIV. There was just no hurricanes for a long time, and then bam, there was a massive one, like an Andrew-type hurricane called Volmageddon. And so right now, you know, obviously, with low vol, you'll make more money in UVIX. Um, and then when the hurricane hits, that's when TVIX goes up and spikes. So again, these are very power tool type products. I'd be very careful with them if you're listening at home. Um, but yeah, they're back on the market, resurrected, Lazarus style. Okay, I want to ask, is there one that went down that hasn't come back that you're like, oh, this is this is one to watch? I mean, there's a lot. I would bring back the coal one. So if you but, have the superpower. Yeah, I, I there's a whole lineup from Vanek, coal frack that i think got closed during this whole esg craze right um and now that story's being unwound a little bit so i feel like they were unfairly criticizing closed during that time so i feel like they should get like a, a get out of jail free card and be able to come back <laughs> so that's one i'd probably bring back and i think it's an i think it's a good trade i think it's a it's pretty it's it's a pretty unique exposure eric when you were walking around, around the graveyard which one went too soon for you <sighs> for some reason <laughs> 
for some reason, I, I just immediately think of the fishing ETF. But that's just because I love fishing. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the performance. Okay, right. I just I just think the world's a better place with an ETF with fishing in the name. I, I just makes you think of going out there on the sea and fishing. <laughs> uh, this thing sea launched rate fish yeah. at the beginning of the financial crisis. I think it just had a bad timing. Um, okay, wait, wait. I know that is nostalgic or something. I don't know what that was, but now give us a real one. <laughs> okay. Um, there was an ETF called the Short Squeeze ETF. Uh, SQZZ, I think, was the ticker. And it was an interesting product. It closed right before all the GameStop stuff, where every stock that had a lot of high shorts in it was getting bought by the, quote, apes in the Reddit crowd. And it honestly, if it were around, it would have killed it during the GameStop era because all the stocks that were heavily shorted were being bought like crazy to try to create a short squeeze. I As think that's know, like the third example of one that closed like just when it's I know. time was like upon it. I know. We were actually trying to think of a, a term for that where it's almost like you leave the movie right before like the exciting part. Like it's like, oh man, if you waited like two more minutes, you would have caught, you would have been fine. I think it was so this ETF misconnection. Mis I think that was what I would Yeah, misconnection. Um, but the short squeeze ETF would have been perfect for that era. But I, I do believe that in certain cases, short squeeze, uh, like uh, in certain markets, those stocks that are heavily shorted, besides the sort of like Reddit crowd, uh, can be a valuable uh, tool for certain investors' tool set. So um, that one was one I, I thought should have been resurrected. I thought somebody would have done it, especially as the GameStop stuff was was in full bloom. I thought somebody would have thrown that in the market. But a shame. Um, I know the guy who who uh, put that out, and uh, he's like a hedge fund manager at heart, and he closed it again just prior to the whole uh, uh, GameStop stuff. Well, there's still time, and maybe you know, well, there's another Halloween episode to do. Athanasios, thanks very much for joining us on Trillions. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy Halloween, Eric. Happy Halloween. Thanks for listening to Trillions. Until next time, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal. Bloomberg.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you'd like to listen. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter. I'm at Joel Weber Show. He's at Eric Balchunas. This episode of Trillions was produced by Magnus Hendrickson. Bye. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card.